0: thankful for your goodness, Lord. No matter where we're at, Lord, worried, full of anxiety, full of fear of the future, Lord, full of doubt in our minds and our hearts concerning your intentions for us, Lord. We're so grateful that we can come and worship you, Lord, regardless of what is happening in our lives, God. And I thank you, Father, this morning that you will break out, that your spirit will really impress upon us who you truly are, Lord, the goodness of your nature, the goodness of your character, the goodness of your person. You are truly good, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that every mind and every heart that is exalting, Lord God, their fears, exalting their disappointments and pains, God, I pray that it will be subjected to the lordship of Christ and the goodness of God. And we thank you, Father, Lord God, that uh, the word will fall on uh, fertile ground and hearts that are just willing to receive your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So um, I think all of us, you know, we we say God is good. And, you know, the preacher usually say God is good. And everybody will be like, all the time, all the time, God is good. And it has become just like, you know, the language of the born-again people. You know, every time you meet a born-again person, you just say, how are you? Oh, God is good, you know. But I don't know if we truly know the essence of what that means. And when he is supposedly not good... Most of us are just say, like I'm just being real, you know. Things are tough in my life, but it doesn't negate God's goodness. And this morning, I just want to paint a picture of who God truly is, a good God. Um, It's so hard. Uh, You know, I I, I, I struggle to to bring to, uh, what do you call it now, Uh, to reconcile a loving God that can be rude and mean and bad. I mean, I'm sure uh, most of you love people. You you are born from families and you come from families and you are married, you have children. And most of you know what it's like to love someone. And when you love someone, you always have good intentions for them, isn't it? Like you're not malicious, like you're, that person is going to see today, you know? You're always thinking the best about them, thinking about, you know, how how you're going to do good things for them and to impress them, isn't it? Even our kids... I mean, I have a, a little boy, he's two, two years old, and I'm, I just have good intentions for him. Even if he just doesn't make me sleep sometimes, I'm just like, I love you. In the morning, I'm just like, I love you. You didn't make me sleep, but I love you. And I'm not going to be like, today you're going to see. I'm not going to give you food, you know? And many of us believe in this God that apparently loves us, but he's not good to us, you know? He's very malicious and capricious, like he decides what he wants to do that day. Today he's so happy, tomorrow he's not happy. And that is not the type of God we serve. And if that's your your thinking or your belief system about God, I want to challenge it uh, this morning. So first slide. Psalm 119 says, can we just read it together? You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. It's true. You are good and what you do is good. God is in his essence and in himself good. Uh, The next slide, Mark 10, verse 18 says, No one is good except God alone. So Jesus is talking to this young ruler, and he is, uh, the the, the guy is saying, you know, uh, good teacher. Then Jesus quickly rebukes him. He says, no, no one is good. Only God is good. And Jesus is trying to make a statement here. He's not just saying, "Uh, you know, don't, don't call me that name. He's basically telling him there is no one in the earth, no one that has been before, will be, will ever be in this moment, will ever walk the face of the earth in the universe, wherever, no one will ever be good. Only God is good. All right? God is the definition of good. He decides what is good. But in himself, in his essence, God is good. We cannot separate goodness from God. All right? People can be good. People can be nice. But God is good. It's who he is like. He cannot be anything other than what he is. All right? The story of Moses, I, I think you all know it. Uh, so Moses, you know, is taken out of, uh, out of Egypt by the Lord. And uh, God encounters him at the burning bush or by the burning bush. And... Um, God tells him, you know, go to Pharaoh and tell, tell him, I am sent, sent you. So he goes and there's all this drama. And after that, you know, they leave Egypt successfully after all the threats and all the frogs and everything that happened. You know, it's really a dramatic story. I'm just like, you know, why? You know, after they leave. And then they, 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 they come to a point where Moses, I think, starts doubting God. And then he's like, I don't know, like, yes, God, I've seen your miracles. I've seen your goodness, but I don't know if I'm going to continue. You know, very dramatic. After you have seen the sea split, you know, after you have seen uh, just God destroy uh, Pharaoh's uh, army, after you have seen everything that God has done, Moses is still in doubt. I don't know, like for me, I think if I see the sea split, I'm just like, Lord, take me now. I'm, I'm done, you know. So then in Exodus 33, Uh, from verse 12. I just quickly want to go there. All right. So Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. You know, the drama that he's throwing there to the Lord is just too much. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not, <laughs> I don't know, like God is telling him, I'm going with you. And then he's telling God, if you are not going to go with me, <laughs> do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and, and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, like I'm sure the Lord said, oh, okay. I will do the very thing you have asked me, you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Now, you, you must know that God was telling Moses this before. So God is telling him again, I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And the Lord, um, then Moses said, now show me your glory. After God has said, I'm going to go with you. After God said, I'm blessed with you. It's like, I, that's not enough. Just show me your glory. I think I'll believe. After I see your glory, I will believe. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy in whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may sa- stand on a rock. When my glory or my goodness passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So God is telling Moses, okay, you are asking me to see me, but you cannot see me. And God goes through all this Oh, jumping hoops, trying to find a cliff and cover Moses and his back. I mean, you must think about how God bends backwards for us. He did this because Moses asked him. He wasn't like, ah, oh, Moses, you're too much for me. Just, you know, just know that I'm good, you know. God told him, I will cause my goodness to pass by you. All right? G- Moses wasn't asking God for, oh, for his goodness. He was asking for God's glory. Okay? And God said, no, you can't see me. No one who sees me will ever live. And it's true. No one who sees God will live. But I will cause my goodness. Because the goodness of God, in, in, in essence, is saying, I will cause myself to pass by you. All right? I will give you myself. And that means myself is my goodness. Now, for many of us, we will not understand this because how can God say, you cannot see my face, then I will give you my back. And, you know, how, how is that? But God is saying that my, my goodness is who I am. I will give you myself because you asked me for me. I will give you me in my goodness. And then he tells him all these things. I will have compassion and I will have mercy on whom I will have. But his presence was a definite guarantee for Moses. Okay? Now, in order for us to, to know God's goodness, we must know him. We cannot separate the two. We cannot say, I know God, but I don't know his goodness. I said this before. We cannot say, I know goodness and I don't know God. You know, the two are mutually exclusive. God cannot be separated from his goodness. And um, in order for us to know the essence of something, we, want, uh, we have to see it and taste it, right? Uh, I, am, I am black. I don't, like, you don't see another color, Right? I don't know if you will taste me, if you will taste blackness or anything, you know, but <laughs> I am black, and you can see that I'm black. I am Annette, and that's who I am. I'm black, and that's my essence, okay? It doesn't mean that I'm, even if I bleach my skin, I will change my blackness, all right? That's me. That's who I am, and uh, many times when, when uh, the Bible talks about essence or, or a character, it usually uses, you know, fruits in order for, for, for us to, true, to know the true character, because we know that a tree produces fruit. In, in Matthew, God is saying, you know, like uh, Jesus is talking and he's saying, a good, fruit, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And so it is with God. God in his goodness cannot produce anything other than what he is. His fruit of goodness is, is, is uh, it's gonna come from, from him who is the tree of life and the tree of goodness. Okay, and, and, and with that, I just wanted to demonstrate something. I just want three, three people who haven't had breakfast, please. Even if you had breakfast, it's fine. Come. Okay. Okay, so just show your fruit, please. I, I know you all know what this is. <laughs> this, that's a banana. And that's it. Uh, yeah. And that's it. So, like, I I just want you guys to just bite into that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you you. Come <laughs> <laughs> um, <maybe>, on, maybe just <laughs> just hold on to it for now. For now. I know it's gonna be hard peeling it and you know and eating it like that. But you know the fruit, and you know how it tastes like, right? That's a banana. You, did, you, did it taste like a mango? No. How did it taste like? Can you just explain to us? No, it's, it's sweet, and at the end, you can feel the seeds. The <laughs> <laughs> and mega? That is amazing. It was amazing? <laughs> you, you, you know it's an apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you expect to taste an, an onion? Okay, for you we will, yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you open it, you will taste an orange. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Free breakfast. <laughs> the Bible says, you know, um, in Psalm 38 verse, uh, 34 verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You cannot taste God and taste evil. It's impossible. If God, the fruit of God is goodness. If you taste him. It will be good you cannot say i'm i tasted an apple and i think it tasted like a mango no even within nature the fruit of a tree speaks for itself and god speaks for himself he doesn't just say taste he says see when you see an apple you know it's an apple you you have no doubt about it even those fake ones you know the ones you buy in the shops (laughs) The plastic ones you know it's an apple that's why you decorate it as an apple it's an apple and when you taste it it's an apple okay and God is saying I want you to taste and I want you to see that I am good many of us are living lives that have not tasted God's goodness or we have chose to numb our taste buds okay the Bible uses fruit especially to describe the character of a thing or a person. So we know that the Spirit, uh, the, the Spirit is from God, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. There's, uh, in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is you know love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those many good things. But one of them is goodness. So if we have the Spirit of God, Goodness is a part of who we are, a part of who God is, a part of what we're supposed to taste, the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say the thing of the Spirit, the, you know, the odor of the Spirit. It says the fruit in order for you to taste it. All right? Because God is good, He defines what is good. God is the foundation of goodness and everything good. In Him there is absolute goodness. We cannot take away Again, I will say this and I will continue saying it. We cannot take away goodness from God. We cannot say, God, you are good, but assume that he is evil. God, you are good, but you are not good to me. That's why that song we sang last, says, you are good to me. God's goodness is very personal to us. Now, in Genesis uh, 1.31, it says, God saw all he has done and it was very good. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift, comes from above, from God, from the Father. Goodness is from God. No matter how good you are, whatever good you have or whatever good you see in people is from God. We cannot separate goodness from God. It is who he is. And he defines what is good. So when even God created the earth, he decided that it's good. He didn't say it's good, just good. It's very good. He calls goodness. He decides what is good. And in that, he decides what's morally good and morally not good. Because he is the creator of everything. And because he created everything, he created it with goodness. The Lord has written his law on our hearts. And that means that we can understand, you know, the good, the goodness of God. We can, underst- we can understand what is not good. We can understand God's heart because we're made not only in the image of God, but we we have morally come to know, you know, uh, what God desires of us and what God requires of us. Can I have the next slide, please? God's intentions and motives are always good. Uh, Not that one. Nope, not that one. Oh, no, not that one. (laughs) No. Okay. While they find that one, Um, God's intentions and motives are always good. I don't know, like, um, I know you know, you know, whenever we are very suspicious people. Whenever somebody does something for us, or whenever somebody says something, we're always asking, with which heart did you do it? You know? Where are you coming from with that? We're very, very suspicious. And I understand because we, we were open to the reality of knowing good and evil. Okay? But we must always assume, and always, not just assume, but always know that God's intentions for us are always good. Because if somebody is good, the intentions will be good. Because first you start with the character, then you start with, then you go with the motive, and then after that, the behavior. So God's character is good. We have established that. Not only is, is his character good, but his intentions for us are always good. God's intentions can always be trusted because his motives are always from love. For God so loved the world. The Bible says that God is love. All right? Then as, and, and, and like I said, it is impossible for us to claim to love someone and have evil or bad intentions towards them. Because God, the Bible says, love is kind. Love is not rude. God is always kind to us. God is always good to us. And we cannot think that he, he can be different from what he says about himself. How can we say God loves us, yet in the same breath, say God is doing bad things to us? Or, uh, or we struggle to believe that he is, he has good intentions for us. Romans eight twenty eight says, uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who. So in all things, it doesn't say in some situations or when you are happy or when you have breakthroughs and miracles. In all things, God works out for, for the good. All right, we must really begin to live in this realm. Because when we live in this, we will have multiple breakthroughs. Our worship will be so different. We won't come to church just standing and looking at the PowerPoint, you know? We won't be held back by the lies of the enemy. His will is good towards us. At the birth of Jesus Christ, the angels say, said in Luke 2, 13, is, uh, it, it goes, and suddenly. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Goodwill. God's will for us is always good. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What is His will? He's good, pleasing, and perfect. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans. Plans to? And not to? I mean, how much more proof do we need? But many times we think, God, uh, you just want to harm me. Why me all the time? God is holy and he is perfect. Psalm 18, 30 says, As for God, his ways are perfect. And because he is perfect, There cannot be evil inside him. He is holy, set apart. There is no God, no being in the earth that is like our God. He is holy, 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 holy. And when the angels uh, say this, I'm sure they kind of like have a revelation of, of that holiness because it's so different. God is so different, different from us, different from any other being, different from the demons. He is so different. And many times we try to put him in the same category, you know. God is consistent. And because he's consistent, we know that his will is always good. James 1.17 says he never changes. He doesn't have, he's not like a shifting shadow, you know. He's not moody. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There is no evil or bad intentions in him. God is not capricious. Okay? Capricious means, you know, what it means. It says, you know, given to sudden and accountable change of mood or behavior. God is not good today and nasty tomorrow. God is not kind today and rude tomorrow. God is not forgiving you today, and tomorrow he withholds his forgiveness from you. God is not faithful today, and tomorrow he's forsaken you. God is not kind today, and then tomorrow he's deciding to just tell everybody your stories, or your sins, or or whatever it is, you know. God is not capricious. And this is one thing that people in the world do not understand. Because they read the scriptures in the Bible, ah, but God, he did all these nasty things to people. And then we, we attribute that as evil. Now, the enemy and the world has been trying to discredit God's goodness and God's intentions towards us by questioning his character, first of all, bringing deception that leads us into unbelief and disobedience. If we knew and we lived in this, in this knowledge of God's goodness, we will not be as disobedient, disobedient as we are. Most of us, all of us. <laughs> Most of us walk in disobedience because we don't know God's character, God's intentions, and God's heart. And throughout history, God wanted to pour out his heart. Please look at me. I'm not that evil person that you guys think I am. Throughout history, God has been trying to prove to humanity that he loves us, he cares for us, he is kind to us, he is good to us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Every time. I mean, imagine having to pursue someone who just doesn't see your goodness always very suspicious of your intentions. Why are you doing that? Why are you giving me money? Why are you giving me a job? We are always so suspicious of God and God's intentions for us. God does not lie. The Bible says it's impossible for him to lie. Hebrews 6, 18. Now, when God says he's good, it's either he's lying or he's not. And whatever we believe about him will, will, will manifest or will expose what we, we think of God. It's either he's a liar or he's, he's speaking the truth. So if we think God is mean, rude, not kind, we think he's lying. God, you are lying. You are not good. You know? But the Bible says it's impossible. God, there is, everything is possible with God. Right? Everything in this earth, there is nothing impossible. Only one thing. It's impossible for him to lie. How is that that we cannot get that? I'm telling you I'm good. No, you are lying. (laughs) But I'm not lying. (laughs) But God, you are lying. Look at my life. Look at what is going on in my family. Look at the pain that is in the world. I mean, sometimes we even take offense for things that don't even, you know, concern us. But look at the world, God. Look at the street kids. But I'm good. But you're not. And we we have this constant battle with God. He's trying to prove to us and we're saying he's not good. Graham Cook says, God cannot be anything other than what He is, or what He says He is. Can I have the next slide, please? Now, how does God reveal His goodness? God reveals His goodness through natural gifts. I think we know that. Not only like, blessings, but gifts also. God is good to everyone. The Bible says, you know, in Psalm 145, verse 9, it says, The Lord is good to all and has compassion on all he has made. Because we are created by God, we, we will experience an exponential goodness. Even people who think they've made it by themselves, it is God's goodness. God is good to everyone. Matthew 5, uh, 45, Jesus is saying that he makes his rain and the sun shine on everyone. So, all creation, flowers, water, every part of creation has experience of God's goodness. Even you in this room who is doubting God. We have all experienced God's goodness. Your life, the breath that you have, the hair or no hair on your head, you know? (laughs) The family that you are born in, the food you eat. The clothes you wear, every little detail is from God. Humanity can never take credit for things that they have not come up with. Everything is from God. God created everything. And we experience his, his, not only his love, his compassion, his grace. I mean, those are the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Not only do we have natural blessings, but we also have spiritual blessings and those include can we just read them compassion forgiveness salvation sonship knowledge and wisdom etc 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 we have so much the fact that you can worship perceive the holy spirit in your life that is a gift from god the fact that you can pray in tongues who do you think is from your your pastors you know the fact that you have miracles in your life breakthroughs that's from god the fact that you have a bible the written word of god that's a gift the fact that you're able to prophesy the fact that you you were you were chosen by god the fact that jesus died for you it's a gift of eternal life. The fact that not only did God send his son, he forgave you. He continues forgiving you. And he has mercy, compassion over you. Not just you, everybody around you. The fact that he's blessed you to be a blessing. Many times we attribute these things to our maybe goodness or things, but it's, everything is from God. And like I said, you know, we, we have such a great blessing from God through Jesus Christ. I cannot begin every time, every year, I I just go through the story of Jesus. And I begin to, to ask God to just change my dimension of salvation and what he did for us on the cross because we take it for granted. We take it for granted that, oh, yeah, he died. Every time it's the same story, passion of the Christ. You know, the play was here. Yeah, you know. But Jesus dying on the cross for us. Not only did he give us eternal life. He tore the veil that separated us from God. He gave us the Spirit because he had to die in order for for the Spirit to come. Die and go to heaven so that the Spirit can come. Okay? The Spirit who God has given us, Christ our Father. The Spirit cries out for us. Jesus cries out for us. Every day, every second, every minute, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for you, even when you are not praying for yourself. Now, this wouldn't have been possible if Jesus didn't come. And that's what God intended for us, like we read in Luke. Goodwill towards men. God wanted us to experience this life in the resurrected life. The life that we can be free from sin, isn't that great? Romans talks about that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are not obliged to sin. I mean, what many people are just you know, oh, I can't stop this, you know. But many of us don't know that we have been that 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 hold and slavery in sin has been broken. Over our lives, we have within us a desire to please God. The world doesn't have that. We have in our hearts a desire to do good. Not only are we guaranteed eternal life, that is like the, the, you know, the cherry on the cake, but in this life, we have the Holy Spirit who gives us joy, who gives us peace, who gives us kindness. We have the Holy Spirit who takes us out of depression and the mess, worry, anxiety. We have all those things. We are children of God, of those who have believed in Jesus Christ. That is our portion. And many times we just think, nah, you know, it's just salvation, you know. It's not just salvation. We have such a wonderful gift. The fact that we can know what God wants us to do tomorrow. The fact that we have the spirit of prophecy. The fact that we can prophesy in other people's lives and see what God is saying concerning their lives. The fact that we have truth residing in us, we have abundant life, is that not God's goodness? We should stop moping, stop complaining, and stop being defeated because we are victorious. In fact, we are more than conquerors. I mean, it's one thing to conquer. It's another thing to be more than a conqueror, you know? I'm sure when you are in a game or in a race and you win, you're like, yes, victory! I did it! But the Bible says you are more than that. You already won even before you, you went to the games. You know? How much more can we really worship this God and believe in his goodness for all the things that he has given us? Paul always cried out for the church. He said, I want you to know the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ, Ephesians 3.20. I want you to know the blessings that you have, the good things that God has for us. It is so important that we live in this realm, otherwise we'll be a defeated army. An army who does not know their God. In order for us to do mighty exploits, we have to know that God is good. Now, apart from <laughs> God's goodness in terms of the spiritual blessings, God also disciplines us for our good. It is a gift from God, discipline. Hebrews twelve ten says that you know from verse uh, from verse ten. Let me just go there. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 from the 10. It says, okay, I think not, let me just start from the 7. It says, endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by the Father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline. Then you are not legitimate, <laughs> not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for, the, for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our... Right? For our? For what? Discipline from God is good. It is not just all the spiritual blessings, natural blessings, you know. And also discipline is a part of God's goodness. You know? We cannot say God is good. There's always, you know, all these blessings for you and all these, you know, materialistic thing. Your, this is your year, your favor. But when he disciplines us, oh, it's not my favor, Lord. This is not my hair. It is good to be disciplined. It is good. We must receive it and say, thank you, Lord, for your discipline. Thank you that you care for me enough. In Matthew 15, uh, in in John 15, Jesus talks about the fact that we are in the vine. And whatever uh, branch that is not bearing fruit will be cut. But also, if you're bearing fruit, you'll be cut. Either way, God is going to cut. <laughs> you know? It's important for us to know that he's doing it for our good. I don't know if you know gardening. I actually don't garden, obviously. You know, I don't have plants, fake ones only. But um, in order for, for a branch, so usually what happens is the, 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 the plant grows. And there's always this dry, dead ends and if it must be cut in order for it to grow nicely and beautiful and everything. And the discipline that God gives us, if we are not bearing fruit, we think no God is being mean to us and he will use other people in our lives. And if we're bearing fruit, God will still use other people to come and cut the things and characters, things that does not glorify him. Things that are not in alignment with who he has called us to be. Things that are not, you know, lining up with who we are in the spirit and in the natural, supposed to be. If we are not bearing fruit, God will cut you. If you are bearing fruit, God will cut you. We must receive it with glad hearts and say, Lord, I thank you for the hardships in my life. Thank you that I can endure. People don't understand us when we're going through hardships. You are being fake when you're praising God. You must praise God. Rejoice always. Rejoice. It is for your good. It is for my good. God is not having bad intentions. If he knows, our earthly fathers, you know, if they know, no, no, you can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to discipline you. They, who are earthly fathers? If they who are wicked know how to do good things. How much more the one who sees our hearts and everything concerning us He knows that you're not supposed to be in that place. Some of us are in places that we're not supposed to be. And God is telling us to go, but we are being so stubborn. And God is cutting things in our lives. Making people disrespect us, making people overlook us. But God is doing it so that he moves you. Okay? Some of us are just very comfortable where we're not supposed to be. But God is saying, I want you for something different, for my good. And because of my good, I'm gonna reposition you. And it's gonna hurt. I'm gonna break friendships, I'm gonna break relationships. But it's for your good. Don't think it's the people. It's God. These mean people. (laughs) They don't see my life, (laughs) my anointing, my power. You don't know who I am, I will show you. Leave it to the Lord. When you are going through hardships, relational hardships, friendships, uh, marriage, whatever it is, hardship that you will ever think of, it is the Lord. Because God is greater than the enemy. God is bigger than any principality or power. He knows your life. So all the hardships is for your good. Praise the Lord. Now, if God is good, then why? Why? Can we have the next, you know, insert your grievance and problems here. <laughs> if God is good, then, then why? Why are things happening like this in my life? If God is really so kind like you're saying he is, why, why is everybody not looking at me and, and trusting me? Why, why is this happening in my life? Why is there so, so, why is there so much pain? And, we, you know, when, you are <laughs> when you're having a problem with God, the pain just doesn't remain here. It goes out. Then it becomes this poisonous thing. You start to see evil and negative things all the time. Why are the people standing at the roadblock? And you're like, but it's police people. <laughs> you know? Why, why is this? If God is good, why, why, why did I get a ticket for speeding? You know? <laughs> Ach Lord, you, you, you know? So I've been challenged in my life. I've been trying to get my license. <laughs> I practice very well. <laughs> very awesome. I'm like, you know, I can drive everything. And whenever I practice, I'm always like, oh my God, I'm going to get it. I've gone four times. I didn't get it. I'm like, but Lord, you gave me a word. Yeah. So afterwards, I get so angry. If you were good, you would have spoken to that Nattus officer. <laughs> Favor, Lord. I'm your child. They don't know who I am. I mean, I go there, binding, declaring everything. I don't come down with a license. I don't laugh, you know, when it happens. Obviously. <laughs> if God is good, why are there no miracles in my life? Got that promotion that I've been waiting for. God, if you are so good, really, why am I still waiting here? Why am I single? Why is there no breakthrough in my life? Why is there a breakthrough in other people's lives? Look at that person. They are so sinful, but Lord, you gave them nothing. (laughs) Me, I'm a good person, Lord. You know it yourself. (laughs) God, if you are good, why am I not getting a house? God, if you are good, why don't I have my own car? (laughs) Lord, if you are good, (laughs) why am I struggling with this thing that is in my life, the thorn in my flesh? Lord, why did you give me this husband? Why did you give me this wife? If you are good, why are my kids not serving you? If you are good, why is my business struggling? If you are good, why are people getting away from me? Can we just read that ridiculous quote that is there? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery? That's not our fault. It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? Stephen Fry. This is not just the sentiments of the world. Atheists. Postmodernists, Christians, religious people—when we don't see goodness, when we don't see things unraveling according to our our plans, when we don't see those things coming through, we start saying that exact same thing, you know, throwing tantrums at God. God is not like He's not bothered. He is not moved by that. It just hurts him that's, that we think about him like that. He's not like, yeah, they're making me angry now. I'm going to, you know, send some fire. It breaks his heart that we think that of him. We have a dilemma, you know, as children of God. Because we really want to believe that God is good. But also because of things that happen in our lives, we struggle to believe that he's really good. We know, we will sing it when we come in worship and we want to believe it so, you know, so hard. We, yes, God, you're good. We pray in tongues and the situation doesn't change. Months, yes, things are the same. And we begin to wonder if God is really good. Now, we have, like I said, a dilemma here because the reality is what happened when God made man He made Adam and Eve. I cannot talk about God's goodness without touching this point. He made Adam and Eve. And he put them in the garden. He trusted them. He said, You know, you can eat from everything. Except what? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's what he told them. Don't, don't, that one, you cannot, don't even eat it. Don't even think about it. And then he puts them in the garden. There, you know, walking around. I'm sure they were like not bothered at all, because they knew if they ate it, they would die. You know, so they were kind of like, oh, okay, this tree is quite hectic. (laughs) So then comes the serpent, and he he does this. It is the weirdest thing that happened to them. In Genesis three, says now the serpent was more crafty Than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, He said to the woman. You know, so God told Adam, and Adam obviously told Eve, and the devil didn't have the guts to go to Adam because I'm sure he was gonna be rejected. So he came to the one that didn't really hear also directly. She kind of just said, "Oh, okay, woman, we can't touch the fruit. Okay, fine, it's cool. I won't touch it." He came to the woman. And said, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Wow, guys, that's not what God said. That's not what God said. If you read it, God said, Do not, you know, you can eat everything you want, but that one. But he comes with a twist. He says, Did God really not say? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die." She's saying the tree in the middle of the garden, she doesn't even know the name of the tree. And it says here, you will not certainly die. That's what the devil says. God told them, if you eat that tree, you will die. The devil like, but you won't die. I mean, if some, <laughs> if God gives us things that we need to do, the commands of the Lord, He tells us, don't do that. And the devil is like, but you won't, but you won't. But nothing will happen to you if you disobey God. Nothing will happen to you. And then, <clears throat> the devil says this. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Okay. So the tree looked suddenly very good, it looked very pleasing and it looked very desirable. And then she ate it. Like, she didn't even think twice, I'm sure. Like, oh, oh, okay. You know? She also <laughs> gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I don't know what he was doing, keeping quiet. you know, <laughs> Not rebuking her. <laughs> but I, I don't know what was going on here. I really don't know. I wasn't there, so I can't, you know. So suddenly, this is what happened after the ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Suddenly the eyes were opened. Not their physical eyes. It was the enlightenment of the mind. And they realized they were naked. Before then they didn't know. Of course they were naked, you know? Before then they didn't know. They were not like, they didn't worry about those things. You know, it's like, why? You know, then they realized they were naked. And they stood together, and they sew fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the men, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Suddenly there was fear. Before then, they were not fearful. They disobeyed God, they were afraid, Uh, they were enlightened, they were naked. And they became fearful. And then they said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Like, who told you that? Who enlightened your mind? You're not supposed to know you're naked. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then the men said, now obviously this one, the classical one. The woman, he doesn't even say the name. (laughs) This woman. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So what happened was, it created a dilemma, this thing. Because before the fall, they knew God only. They knew his presence. They knew his love. They knew everything. But because they sinned, now they knew good and evil. It is a dilemma for us because now we know what is evil, what is good, and because we know what evil is, it always gives us a choice: what we're gonna do, whether we're gonna. Because knowing evil is not just oh, I see that's evil. It is knowing and actually being capable of doing evil. Before then, they were not capable of evil. They only did what God told them to do. They did not know good. They knew they knew God, so they were like in God. All right. So now, everyone that came after them knew evil and good. They messed it up for us, and because we live in this world, we will always be aware of knowledge. We will always be aware of good and evil. We will always know whether whatever is happening is good or whatever is happening is evil. Now, God's heart was never for us to know good and evil. His heart was for us to know him. All right? But Jesus came to reverse whatever that situation that happened there. That's why he came. He just came to say, okay, fine. All right, there's no evil. Okay, Lord, yes, I'm going to go. I want to reverse this. Because what happened was in their state of knowing good and evil, they were going to die. Not physical death because they could have died and we wouldn't have had, you know, this story now but they died in their spirits. They died. And many of us, because we know good and evil, we continuously just rot inside. Our eyes are so awakened, we know too much evil. We see it in the news. We see it around us. We see the pain. And that's why this guy would say things like that. How dare you? How dare you create a world and then put us in it and then you, uh, you, you, you are utterly capricious, like you are so evil. How dare you do that? But it, isn't, it wasn't God. God told them, don't be awakened to good and evil. You must just know me. Just know me. You don't need to know all those good and evil. It was God's discretion. He alone was supposed to know good and evil. Because he alone can deal with it. But, you know, <laughs> we were so worried. <laughs> and we decided we're going to partake of that. And now we're living with this dilemma now. We know evil, but we also know good. But now we're like, no, whose fault is it now? It is Adam and Eve. But just because you know good and evil doesn't mean that God's goodness can trump everything. It can cover everything. The Bible says that death came through one man, Adam, and life came through another. Jesus Christ. He came to redeem what was done there. He came to not only de- do away with death, you know, because death was the, the, the consequence of the, the action, because that's why we have eternal life. But he came so that we can know good more. Back then, people did not know like they just knew good and evil, and they felt like evil was prevailing. They had no hope. But for us, we know good we were able to know God. Because what happened was, when they were chased out of, you know, the, the Garden of Eden, they were separated from God. So they could not even really know God. And he kept reaching out to the prophets and to people, certain people, Daniel, Joseph, all these people. But now, Jesus came and he said, I want to restore you to original thing. And I want to restore you to know God. The veil was torn and we have fellowship with God every second through the Holy Spirit, all right? We should no longer be living in this dilemma because the Spirit reveals to us continuously who God is. is good, despite, of the fact, uh, despite the fact that we know good and evil. Now, according to human understanding of evil, many times we see it pointless that God will allow evil things to happen to us. If God is intelligent, all-knowing, and all-powerful, then what we perceive as evil has purpose, right? So what I'm saying is, whatever he, evil happens, because we always ask the question, why is there evil then? Why is the evil? Why did God create evil? There is good, then why did he create evil? It will serve as a purpose. Good serves as a purpose for us, isn't it? It always serves us as a purpose, and so does evil, all right? Evil is not some random force that is just there and it's just... Looking to devour us, God can use it for a purpose in our lives. All right? And many times we struggle with this reality. It's like, I'll get a good God, do that, do evil things. He is all powerful, He's all knowing, He knows what He's doing. How about that? You just rest in that reality. Because we will never understand the true purpose of why God did what He did. But we can trust that he's good. We can trust that everything that he does is for a purpose. Even the supposed evil that we, you know, see. I'm sure God doesn't see it as evil. It's just like, but I'm loving them, you know? <laughs> you know. It's very hard for us to reconcile this truth. And we need to guard it always. We need to guard the, 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 the truth that God is good, that God's purposes for us is good. Because the enemy is going to come to us. And he's going to question us, just like he did Eve. And he's going to deceive us. And it's going to lead us to a disbelief or unbelief and, and, and disobedience. That's why many of us are struggling in our walk with the Lord. Because we have listened so much to the voice of the enemy. We have. We have given him all the right to speak to us. Every second, every moment, we are just listening to the voice of the enemy. Not knowing that God's intentions are good. And whatever he does for us. You know, according to Romans uh, 8, that says, but we know in all things God worked it for our good. Our response, that's now uh, the, the, last, the last slide. I like what Graham Cook says. Do not look for evil. Look for the goodness of God all around you. As you look for signs of his presence, many more opportunities will occur for you to bless people and share God's true nature. The Bible says in uh, Romans 16, 19, I think that's a verse, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. In order for us to even come close to thinking that God is good, we have to start seeing good. Taste and you must see you must begin to see that God is good look for the good around you you know what I do when I'm in a dilemma of evil and good I just look at the the many things that God is doing in people's lives oh this one got engaged yes Lord thank you the devil lost Lord thank you that one got a promotion yes I celebrate with other people even if I don't see in my own life okay I celebrate the testimonies, the good things that's happening around the world. Last, uh, last night, South Africa gathered together to pray. How awesome is that? That is great because there's so much evil that is happening in that nation, but good came out of it. There was a prayer that went up to heaven. They said a- approximately a million people showed up. It was a huge farm, lots of people. How about we celebrate things like that? Let's not look at how people are burning their their campuses and, oh my gosh, the news is just so depressing. How about when we read the newspapers, we actually look at what the the negative is and we start praying for God's goodness. How about that? How about we, we look for the good in where we are at in our lives? I am not stranded. I am not hungry. I am clothed. That's God's goodness. Do not exalt your disappointments. Do not exalt your circumstances. You must exalt God. That is really the key to breakthrough. Two weeks ago, the Lord told me, you know your key for your breakthrough is in my goodness. I said, okay, now what must I do now? Just believe that I'm good. Okay, that's simple. It's not simple. Because you have to go against your mind, your worries, your pain, the disappointments, everything that is happening, you have to just come against it like a wave and then you have to believe that God is good and praise him for it. We cannot be going around looking for evil. Evil will discourage you. It is meant to discourage you. Evil will take your focus from God. It will take your focus from who God truly is. That is a good, good Father. He's a good father. And we must have an attitude of, I don't understand your power or what you're doing, but I will praise and trust you. Many of us struggle with that, but I want to understand. But I want to know, God, I want to know. And God is like, but I don't want you to know. But I want to know. You have been given the knowledge of good and evil. You have not been given the gift of all-knowing. So if most of us, I'm sure if we knew it all, there wouldn't be any need for God because we know how everything is going to turn out. Then we'll... Okay? God invites us into this adventure. And what I want to do today is I, I just want us to, to recognize who God truly is That is a good father who wants to give us good gifts. James 1 says, you know, all good things come from God. And then in in Matthew 7 says, you know, if we who are wicked know how to give good gifts, how much our heavenly father? And we need to repent for doubting God's goodness, for having been offended by God's character and what happened to, to us or to others. We need to repent for having exalted our disappointments. We need to, to repent for, for, for believing a lie from the enemy about God's intentions. We need to also repent for being impatient, because sometimes it's not that God is not good. Sometimes he's just calling you to patience. We need to repent for stubborn hearts that just said, no, God is not good. The Bible says that God's goodness leads us to repentance. So this morning, I know we are uh, out of time. I just want us to get get up this morning. And I just want us to have a time of repentance. I think you already know what the Holy Spirit is is impressing upon your hearts. God wants us to have a loving, close relationship with Him. But many of us are struggling with doubt, offense, disappointments. We're impatient and hurt and everything that we've experienced that is contrary to what we think uh, is God's goodness. So I just want us to just lay our hearts before the Lord this morning. And I just want us to pour out our hearts. Lord, we thank you, God, that your goodness leads us to repentance. Father, we have doubted your goodness over and over again. We have exalted our pains, our disappointments. We have taken offense on other people's behalf who have not, according to us, received your goodness. We have exalted everything else but you, your character. We have not exalted you, God, for who you truly are. You are good. And you cannot be anything other than what you are. Lord, many of us have been trusting and we've been waiting on you. But we feel as though it's taking forever. We feel as though you're not going to come through and we're failing in our faith. We're failing in our, in our hope and trust in you, God. So, Father, I just want to pray, God, right now that you will just renew our strength in you because those who trust in the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will mount upon wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint in the name of Jesus. Father, we receive your strength this morning. We receive the knowledge of good of you, God. We receive the fact that you have good intentions for us. We receive the fact that you love us and you do not have bad intentions and you mean well for us every second, every moment. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that Holy Spirit is praying for us, even when we cannot pray in our pain. We thank you that Jesus is groaning for us, Lord, praying for us every moment, that we will come to the true realization and knowledge of this good God. Thank you that you will be formed in us, God. And Father, we just want to pray right now in thanksgiving for what you have already done for us. Help us be a people that remember your goodness and where you have taken us from. Help us be a people, God, that exalts you. Like in Psalms it says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Father, bring to remembrance every good thing, the miracles, Lord, that you have done in our lives, in other people's lives, the breakthroughs, Lord God. Every good gift that you have given us in the natural, in the spiritual, bring to remembrance that, Lord. And we pray right now that you just raise our expectation of praising you, God. That you will raise our mouth and raise our songs before you, God, of praise and worship and adoration of you, God, because of who you are. And Lord, we come to you. And we receive whatever you have for us. And we pray whatever there is that is stopping us from experiencing, we pray that you be submitted right now to the Lordship of Christ, to the power of Christ. Lord, we thank you, Father, Lord God, that we will experience your greatness, your breakthrough, and your goodness, Lord God. Thank you that we can have what you want for us in our season right now, that we will not desire what is not for this season, that you will keep our hearts patient for what is to come, Lord, And that we'll receive what you want for us, Lord God, in this moment, Lord. Father, we thank you as a church that we can bring glory to you. Let us just lift up our hands and thank God. You are worthy. There is no one like you. Most holiest of holy God. There is no power in the earth that can destroy the works that you have for us. There is no power in the heavens, Lord God, that can stop what you want for us. There is nothing, Lord God, in our lives, Lord God, that can hamper what you have for us, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you, God, that you are powerful. Thank you that you are all-knowing. Thank you, Father, Lord God, that we can trust your power. We can trust your goodness. Thank you that we can come to you just as we are. Weak, afraid, fearful, everything, God, that we can come as we are. And you receive us, Lord. And thank you, Father, Lord God, that you are here with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You are worthy, God. You are high and lifted up. You are high and lifted up. You are high and lifted up, Lord. May you be exalted in everything in our lives, in our words, deeds, and speech, and everything, God, in our lives. May you be exalted in Jesus' name. This morning, if you do not know God and you do not know the goodness of God, I just want to invite you to come to the front so we can pray for you to receive God and His goodness. Every one of you who do not know God, if you are here this morning and you do not know God, I just want to invite you. You are missing out. The privileges that we have as children of God is Beyond measure. So I just want to extend my invitation for people who who do not receive God or who have not given their lives to the Lord. If that's you this morning, I just want you to come to the front. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Is there anybody like that? So I just want to close off. Lord, you are good. And your mercy is forever. Amen.